Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And we're good, right? We're good? Sweet. Okay. Welcome to Network Radio. Thank you for tuning in. Today we have... Lori Calhoun, and if you hear this, it's a sound of my alpha brain, which you refuse to take. So um, that is alpha brain. So really quick before we start, um, I'm going to talk about our affiliate program with Onnit. Onnit.com is a company that creates really awesome products. They utilize earth-grown nutrients, and they try to sell you the best equipment and highest quality things you can get um, online. So anything from kettlebells to jump ropes, battle ropes. Uh, to something like New Mood, which is a neuro, I guess, uh, they call it uh, nootropic, which gets like uh, uh, vitamins for your brain. So New Mood, for example, gets you to calm down, relax, feel better. It like gives you a little bit of surge of serotonin for your brain. But what I like most is Alpha Brain, which is a product that gets you to focus better. It's good for memory. So I just took two pills. You'll notice about 40 minutes, 30 minutes into the podcast, I'll start being really sharp, okay. um, especially when the coffee kicks in too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... That being said, go to onnit.com, O-N-N-I-T, get yourself some Alpha Brain or other supplements. Use our discount code Network Radio when you check out, and you will get 10% off any of their supplements. Without further ado, let's cue the intro music. Prepare to die. The last nail is being driven into the coffin of the American Republic. Okay, thank you for tuning in. We are Network Radio, and today we have Lori Calhoun. She's an author of three different books and dozens and dozens of awesome articles. She's an expert with, especially with foreign policy and military. I would say more philosophy and cultural criticism, but that's... So off. Yeah. No. <laughs> but, I've uh, been focusing on war recently, so... Well, okay. So, um, we, we have you here today because of your latest book, which isn't out yet, right? It's, it's out on Kindle right now. It's actually available now. It's oh, it is out? Yeah, the launch date for the United States is November 15th, but it's available from Amazon already. U.S. launch was supposed to be November 15th, but it it looks like Amazon shipping, according to, oh. <laughs> to my sources. <laughs> Here I thought I was felt, you know, I felt special that I got the book early. <laughs> <laughs> we kill because we can um, from soldiering to assassination in the, in the drone age. It's an amazing book. I've, I haven't finished it, so I've got to be honest with you. 
Thick book. <laughs> it's an awesome book. No, and Thank the you. reason the reason is I would have been done with it by now, but it's one of those books that took me a while to 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 go through, not because the material was dense where I felt like I couldn't understand it. It's because I'm taking notes on so much cool things Good. that I want to ask you about. Great. Um, you know, Noam Chomsky said it was chilling and comprehensive, which is super cool. Like, I would be so, so stoked to, to get any kind of, you know, endorsement from him. I was and thrilled when he agreed to read the manuscript. Right. Yeah, so that was nice. How d- so how did you get in touch with him? Um, uh, the publisher did. Oh, the publisher did. Okay. When the page proofs were set, they contacted several people who they thought might be good for endorsements, and he happily agreed even though his list of things to make and do is probably infinite he agreed to read my manuscript and so we were thrilled of course yeah that's the mother of all endorsements especially <laughs> with military and foreign policy right, right. he actually emailed me back and he couldn't be on our show yeah so, he's a busy man he's a very busy man mm-hmm. um but uh, i was flattered when he agreed to read it but i think he he knows that we need to start talking about drones because it's just gone on so long you know what what made you decide to talk about drones in the first place well i was troubled the very first time i saw the aftermath of a drone strike the what i call the dawning of the drone age on november 3rd 2002 but i didn't write a, about drones except for a small essay at that point it was called the strange case of summary execution by predator drone and it was published in peace review in 2003 And I didn't continue focusing on drones at that point because the government wasn't acknowledging its drone program. So no one was really talking about drones except for the the NGOs and the journalists who went abroad to find out what was going on. So it was um, there wasn't a lot. There wasn't any public discourse on it. And after a while, I just decided that we need to have this discussion. Was it like a like like a, like a covert operation? So it wasn't it was that classified when it first started. Exactly, right. it started out covert, and then it just morphed into standard operating procedure. The thing that strikes me most interesting about the drones is that their their accuracy rate, or when they hit the actual target, supposedly. Is about what ten percent? Because I think was it Jeremy Scahill that just broke out the, the latest story, which is uh, coincidentally came out around it the same time that your book is coming out. It did, right? So that's that's so I, th- I always thought it was about twenty two percent, according to the government. According to the government, right? They say it was, which is terrible. Right. We kill eight out of ten <laughs> two out of ten people are actual targets. The eight are just collateral damage. So you're twenty percent accurate with your drone strikes. Well, that's not how they conceive of it. They define military aged males as combatants. Mm-hmm. So what the what Jeremy Scahill shared were documents indicating more of what we had already learned from some sources, which is that they're defining males who are able-bodied males as combatants. Anybody. Anybody who's in a, a territory which they decree to be hostile. <laughs> so, okay, if you're a, so if you're a foreign yeah. journalist, for example, of military age, and you want to go investigate prior drone strikes in Yemen, you're actually fair game according to those rules of engagement. And you, it's it's Which fucking scary. scary. It's <laughs> very very scary. scary, right? Yeah. Um, what's what's I was reading your you know one of your chapters. I think, I think it was chapter five or six, and you were talking about how, actually, you talk about it throughout the, throughout the multiple chapters. But you were saying how 
they're suspect they're suspects yes once they die they're no longer suspects they're actual terrorists or, or combatants. I think that's how the populace views it. Right. Because they figure, oh, Barack Obama's a good guy. He's not just going to go whack people. So they figure if they say that they're suspected militants, there's probably a really good chance that they are They are up to no good. Uh, but that's what they said on the numbers, right? It was, it was, it was um, maybe I misunderstood it, but I, from what I gathered is that they say we're going to hit this area because there's the suspected combatants. Right. But when they're dead, they're not declared suspected. They're, they're declared they're just, you know, uh, and we killed this many people. So we're al- almost automatically assuming that once they die... They were the bad guys. They were the bad guys, right? right? because they wouldn't be targeting a place unless they thought that it harbored bad guys, mm-hmm. is the logic, I suppose. But, um, yeah, there have been other studies. I mean, Jeremy Scahill's uh, revelations were very important because they involved documents coming from the government itself, but other groups have done investigations, for example, Reprieve in the U.K., did a study where they found that there were 41 targets aimed at, and in the process of getting those named targets, they actually killed something like 1,400 people. Mm-hmm. So, f- so they aim for one person's, you know, for example, Anwar al-Awlaki, several times, and other people get killed in his stead. And since they're military-aged males, they get automatically sort of counted as suspected militants. I think people are now eliding suspected from the headlines when they read six suspected militants. They just see, mili- they just see, they just see militants or terrorists, right. more, right. more likely terrorists, right? Because that's also a conflation that's been going on for years. You know, militants are equivalent to insurgents, are equivalent to terrorists. When in fact, these, these groups can be very, very different. You can, have, you can have unrest in some of these countries where locals actually want to change their government, and they may have no aspirations to come to the United States and kill all of us. They may have zero aspirations, but because the central government authority is collaborating with the U.S. government, they're able to eliminate those people. Mm-hmm. So, it's I just can't believe... I just, I, the logic that these people use, right, and it's such a sanitized way of killing, because if you're a soldier, you're on enemy soil, <laughs> you're, you're murdering someone, it's, it's personal, you know, you can't escape that. So there's a little bit of morality... But this is such a sanitized way of killing people. You don't even see them. They're like little dots on a screen, and now you just wiped out 10, 20, 30, whatever it is, right? Yeah, I don't think that soldiers <laughs> on the ground view themselves as murdering people. I mean, at least... Well, I mean... At least usually, because... Like PTSD. At least they come back going, okay, that was crazy. Right. And a lot of soldiers come back, and then they, they you know, there's a lot of you know veterans against war because mm-hmm. they see what's happening. <coughs> they say, we've, we've been there... They're, nobody's wanting to attack us. We're killing innocent people. Right. So they turn around and say, okay, look, this is what's going on, and we're against that. Here's the but reality of yeah, it. Right. That's the reality of it. But when you have people that are thousands of miles away, clicking buttons mm-hmm. like a video game, mm-hmm. wiping out people, and, me, and I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that it's not necessarily people that are pushing the button are the bad people because I assume or I imagine that they maybe they think that, oh, you know, our intelligence – are telling us that these are the people we should be wiping out, right. so we're wiping out bad people. Right. Um, and it's it's just a it's an easy way to kill and kind of move forward, not think too much about it. You know, when you personally shoot someone, mm-hmm. I've never done it. You know, but 
I mean, as a guy that grew up, you've been in fights before. Mm-hmm. I mean, even when you fight a kid, sometimes you just feel bad. You right. Know? If you if you beat him afterwards, you become friends usually. Like as you grow up, you're like, you know, and with, with this way of, of wiping people out, there's just almost no remorse. I also think that there's a good deal of dehumanization going on in this process. So the assumption is, yes, the intelligence is good. Yes, these are bad guys. Yes, we're protecting the nation by killing them. Um, but in order to bring themselves to kill these people, they start thinking about them in terms of um, metaphors like rats. You know, mm-hmm. there, there's a, a drone operator who wrote a book called Predator. His name is Matthew Martin, and I discuss his book in my book in Chapter 7, The Operators. And uh, his book is really revealing because it shows you the mindset of the people who do this. I mean, they really do have to get into a kind of frame of mind where they consider their target to be evil and someone who must be erased from the face of the earth. That's a big assumption uh, to make, particularly when you know for a fact that your own life is not directly on the line, which is a huge difference from combat soldiers. Combat soldiers often are are put in a position of having to kill or be killed. Not true for drone operators. They're, they're given these orders, and they follow the orders just as good soldiers follow orders. But the difference is there's no, there's no rationale of military necessity involved with the drone operator because it's not like if the drone operator makes a mistake, all of his buddies in his platoon are going to get blown away, which is a big problem if you have a combat uh, situation on the ground. Instead, it's like, what's going to happen? Oh, you'll you know, get a demerit or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so it's a very different mode of killing. It's also not your fault, typically. Like if someone, you're just following orders. Someone's saying, push a button on these coordinates, right. and that's it. Right. right. Although I should say that there have been operators who have manifested PTSD. Really? Which is a really interesting... Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Development. People thought, oh, why would a drone operator suffer from PTSD? And it looks like since they're not obviously afraid of being killed because they're not in any immediate danger as they press the buttons, it looks like they are burdened by their conscience. I mean, I would say it's morality in there somewhere where they have misgivings about what they're doing or they have questions. Questions are arising in their minds about what they're doing. Do you feel like the media, you know, for example, your book and people will, maybe somebody, they hear it somewhere, they read it somewhere and then they go, well, maybe maybe we're killing the wrong people. Maybe we shouldn't be doing this. Yeah, there, there, there are several drone activist groups who have been trying to 
talk these drone operators into standing down. Mm -hmm. They hang out at outside Creech Air Force Base in Nevada and give them pamphlets and that say drone strikes are war crimes. And they try to tell them, don't do this. You mm -hmm. know, basically, you're making a huge mistake. You're going to regret it later on down the line. You're, right now, you think it's okay, but believe us, it's a violation of international law. It's a violation of the G Geneva Conventions. And it's basically a violation of anyone's conception of morality because it's not a case of legitimate self-defense. Let me... My name is Rick Santorum. Okay. And I'm kind <coughs> of a shithead because I don't like that guy at all. And my, uh, my response would be, if you see a guy with a bomb that's going <coughs> to be coming to your house, you know, and he's going to be on the way, <coughs> would you wait until he's there or would you shoot him first? Well, that's the politician's line, right? right? Many politicians support the drone program. It's very politically palatable because it looks like you can garner the image of being a strong leader, willing to fight war, but without having to sacrifice any of your own soldiers. So it's a, it looks smart. like a win-win right. to them, right? Mm -hmm. Smart war, they call it. Um, in fact, there's a lot more going on abroad, and we're going to find out later on down the line when blowback erupts. Um, but for the sh in the short term, politicians are very enthusiastic about the drone program because it makes them appear strong, and it looks like it's risk-free, and it looks like it's rel relatively low cost. How do we get the people to change our minds? Because ultimately, I feel like this is something where we no longer discuss um, anything. Like uh, Nobody can critique the military, really. You, you can't say anything, you, especially with the media sensationalization. I mean, you read comments online. As soon as someone is anything remotely close to mm -hmm. um, critiquing um, or, you know, negatively talking about the military, they're, they're essentially going to be attacked. And there's this manufactured rage, you know, because we have such an appeal to ethos right. in everything we do that's regarded as defense and national security. And... Um, you brought something up r really important in your book that they use 9-11 as, as a pretext for almost everything now. Mm -hmm. And it's like, how long can you, not to sound you know like a jerk, but how long can you milk, <laughs> right? They're, right? They're milking 9-11 to do whatever they want to do. Right. National security has become like a, <coughs> like, a, like a talking point. Like, you know, they just say whatever they want to say. And, and, and as long as they say 9-11 or terrorism or something, and then it's okay. But how long do we ex accept that? You know, at some point, we have to say, look. Well, I think we have to look at what these policies are doing to us as a people and as a culture. And that's part of what I try to show in the book. I have a chapter called The Death of Military Virtue. So I don't think that criticizing the drone program and drone killing is necessarily a critique of the military per se. In some ways, it's driving a wedge between conventional soldiering and what drone operators do, and saying, mm -hmm. look, there's a line here that you've crossed. Um, once the soldier is killing and it's not a case of legitimate self-defense, and it can't even under any circumstance be construed as a case of legitimate self-defense, then something's gone awry. You've, you've developed an institution of killing, and your aim is no longer defense. Your aim is actually killing. But it's preemptive. It's preemptive, right. that's right, which is interesting because Barack Obama as a candidate was very critical of Bush, Bush's preemptive war on Iraq. But in fact, what Obama has 
adopted is a preemptive war policy, one missile at a time. He's, he's preemptively killing these people before they supposedly have the chance to make it to U.S. shores to harm us. The reality is that most of these people are very, very unlike Osama bin Laden. Osama bin Laden was unique in history. And what's happening with the drone program in these signature strikes where you just take out a whole bunch of guys who, are, who look like Osama bin Laden and dress like Osama bin Laden, but they're really very different from him. They don't have the power and the means <coughs> to do anything like what he did to us. Even if they hate us, they don't have the power and the means. But it quacked like a duck. <laughs> look, that's the mentality, right? Um, at some point, it, it becomes a, a form of paranoia, I think. Mm -hmm. At some point, you just say, oh, we're afraid of everyone because all of these people might harm us. And they have us for our freedom. Uh, yeah, the reality is that most of these people can't harm us, and even if they wanted to, they couldn't. So um, what the drone program ends up doing is not keeping us safe, but, but enlarging the sympathizers to groups such as ISIS, right? So ISIS is really a product of, of U.S. military intervention. It didn't exist before the invasion of Iraq, and it's gotten worse and worse or larger and larger with further U.S. intervention. The CIA uh, provided the so-called appropriate, appropriately vetted moderate rebels with 600 tons of weapons covertly in, I think it was late 2012 and 2013. The result, a huge expansion of ISIS. So basically the moderates and the radical rebels were clo more closely allied to one another than the moderate levels, sorry, than the moderate rebels were to the United States, right? They were united in the cause of taking down Assad, right? Mm -hmm. And so they, share, they appear to have shared the weapons with ISIS. And so ISIS took over these large swaths of land. So it's just getting worse and worse. I mean, <laughs> it's not getting better. We, don't, we never learn. We arm people, and then we bomb them. Yeah. That's, that's literally been yeah, yeah, yeah. like their history repeating itself ever, f you know, with bin Laden, with Saddam, with all these dictators. Um, for the folks in, in, in your book, you s this is very, very telling. Uh, just to go back, because we kind of got off track of one. I know you were trying to make a point earlier. Sure. In that when they choose to, to strike someone in their, in their, with their drones, they identify an area, like for example in Pakistan, where this area is known to harbor terrorists. And they, the people living there might not know that the person's a terrorist. You remember you said something about... Um, you know, they have a custom where if someone comes to them and help and they say, hey, there's people are after me, please can I hide? They take them in, right? That's right. And if you're a journalist going to that area to investigate a bomb or, you know, a, a strike or anything, mm -hmm. you said, and this is very important, this is according to them, to the mm -hmm. government, this right. is their standards. If you are a male, capable male from the age, was it 15 or 16? I think it's 16 to, to 40, 50. 50? Yeah, 50. Yeah. 16 Maybe to 50. Maybe 55 even. Yeah. So let's say... Let's just let's just say twenty to forty even. Mm -hmm. Doesn't matter, right? It's, <laughs> it's just if you're a male in that area, regardless of what you're doing, and they strike that area, you're labeled as a suspe suspected combatant. That's right. That's just disgusting. I mean, it's so we it's so strange how easily. I think it's racial profiling, which is all the more shocking given that Barack Obama is our first black president. I mean, he's, here's a guy who has experienced racial profiling. But did you believe that he would be a good president when he was running? 
I was a believer. I hate really? to admit it now. In 2008, I was a believer. I thought so hope, much smarter than me. How I could th- you fall for that? I thought hope <laughs> and change were on. I thought hope and change were on the way. Uh, so, I was fooled. Um, to be honest. In your book, you talk about him. Um, I was, I, this is great. So, he was always um, a staunch uh, opponent of of the Bush doctrine, critiquing him um, on his drones and and his drone program. Not right. not the drone program. He was very critical of his preemptive war Pre- in Iraq. Preemptive war in Iraq. Yes. But he, so, I guess what I was trying to talk about is, he gets into the White House, and not even what is it? How many? A day or within two. Within three days. Within I think. three days, mm-hmm. he he orders the first strike. Right. I feel like a lot of people give Obama the the credibility of saying, "Well, no, he meant well, but he got into the White House, and then he he realized that there's nothing he can do." I don't. I don't. I just don't think that. I think. These people, if you if you're gonna be the president of of the most powerful country on earth with the, the the most advanced intelligence apparatus ever, you have to be thoroughly vetted. There's no way Ron Paul is gonna get into the mm-hmm. White House. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But this guy gets into the White House, starts you know droning people. I want to coin that. <laughs> Start droning people, and he gets the Nobel Peace Prize. And everybody, I think it's brilliant. I think you get a black president. Because everyone's upset with Bush and they're mm-hmm. sick of Republicans. So mm-hmm. now we have this black dude who has, you know, like a Middle Eastern type name, Hussein. <laughs> he, he's maybe a Muslim. So you, you, and, and I have, you know, friends that are overseas that just couldn't wait until Obama become president. They're all happy because they thought he was some kind of savior, that he maybe he has some Islamic ties or maybe he likes Muslim. Maybe he's even of Arab descent, which none mm-hmm. of that is true. Mm-hmm. And he was opposite. He was way more aggressive than Bush was. Well, I think the problem was he he surrounded himself with Bush administrators, right? So Clinton, the top, from the, from the very beginning, he had as his advisors people who who were a part of the Bush administration. So basically, what do they want to do? They want to do what they've been doing. They want to continue and expand what they've been doing. And when you surround yourself with those people. And you ask them for their advice, they're going to tell you that. And and he basically went along with their advice. What's their motive? What's their motive? Yeah. So why why do all this? You got. I mean, if if I were, I can't believe. I'm a cynic. I'm cynical. Mm-hmm. I can't believe that they're doing it because they truly think that these people are after us just because they hate our freedom. I just don't buy that. I don't think someone can be as intelligent and get as far in life and be in these organizations and agencies. And still, you know, actually think that we have to actually, you know, strike these people preemptively because they pose a real threat. You know, like in my mind, the Iraq war comes to mind. Mm-hmm. You know, Halliburton comes to mind, which is something you touched upon. Mm-hmm. But this, so the drones. I think there are several. But they're not making the same amount of money with drone strikes, correct? Like, uh, isn't it a cheaper way of w- for war? Isn't it? Like let's let's uh, it's more economical to have drones than to have not necessarily. No? I mean, the way they portray it, each drone strike involves about two hundred different people. So U.S. drone strikes apparently involve a huge number of analysts and technicians, all sorts of people. So it's not necessarily less expensive, but it seems like a light footprint way of waging war and for that reason I do think that a big part of the appeal is political. 
I think politicians are ready to sign on for this, um, and they don't really look into the details of what's happening on the ground. I don't think they really want to know. They like the New York Times headlines, suspected militants killed, ooh, keeping us safe. Because they're only subject to, to electoral redress during their term of office, right? And so they only Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. ...care about what's going on for the next election. And once they're out of office, that's when all the blowback's going to come. Um, it's not going to be their problem anymore. And blowback, for the folks that don't know, is a CIA coined term meaning unintended consequences of certain actions, right? That's right. 911 was a big case of blowback. Osama bin Laden was protesting the 1991 Gulf War and the establishment of U.S. military bases in Saudi Muslim Arabia. nations, mm -hmm. right? So that's that was a huge case of blowback. But what happens in the United States is when there's a when there's an event. That one, of course, was one of a kind, but an any sort of blowback, people in the United States figure, oh, it's t this is time zero. Nothing happened before this moment in time. We have been attacked. We have to react. Yeah, why were we attacked? Why were we attacked? Why, they attacked? why did they hate us? Why they, well, because <laughs> they're Muslim and they're fanatical and they hate freedom. Right. They don't want women to drive, right. et, cetera, et cetera, which is like so ridiculous. <laughs> um, and the whole but thing it plays very well to the populace. The populace wants to believe that we are good and they are evil, and it plays very well, and it, it wins votes. Say you're strong on defense, and you will automatically um, be reelected. So. Mm -hmm. And the thing about 9-11, and you said this in your book, I thought was very, very interesting, because it's it, it takes courage. Like what you're doing here to write, you know, to talk about the drones program, I mean, one thing you said is that on 9-11, about, what, 3,000 people died? right. But since 9-11, how many thousands have been killed, maimed? Hundreds our, of thousands. Our own oh, as well. Our own, that's and, right. Well, we don't care about them. <laughs> right. Even if you only count American lives, mm -hmm. the numbers are, are a little bit disturbing. More uh, About 6,000 soldiers, uh, but then multiple times that number have been maimed, and thousands of soldiers have taken their own lives since the... I, think, I think the number... I want one more. C can you look up how many soldiers have committed suicide? Uh, I think the it's number. It's an epidemic. I mean, it's, it really I, is. it's. I think it's daily. The numbers are really, 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 really crazy. Um, I almost want to say just as much have been killed in actual war. There is that amount of. Oh of no, soldiers. more. 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 Okay, so that's yeah. even worse. Mm -hmm. I just. We we have embarked since nine eleven on this crazy new era. 
And we, you, you know, I think, so you, I don't want to get into your personal life. Okay. But you've traveled, right? Yes. Does the world look at us and say, what are you guys doing over there? Is there that, is that sentiment there? I think it is. I mean, I'll give you an example, which is from my personal life. In uh, 2001, I went to Costa Rica for a month. And it was very shocking to me to find that no one supported the invasion of Afghanistan, whom I met in, in Costa Rica, which was so different from here. Here, everyone, nearly everyone supported. They were like, we were hit on 911. We got to retaliate. Mm -hmm. um, and in Costa Rica, they're like, why are you waging a war on Afghanistan? <laughs> it, it was incomprehensible. Really but maybe it's because they don't know that Afghanistan... Uh, no, I think that people had a hard time understanding outside of the United States why we would wage a war on Afghanistan when most of the hijackers came from Saudi, Saudi Arabia. Arabia <laughs> right? Well, because bin Laden was in Afghanistan. That's, that's the rhetoric. Uh, the, other, the real question is why go to Iraq? Oh, yeah. Well, wow. um, it, so Omar just looked it up. So 22 veterans commit suicide each day. Yeah, shocking. Every single day the number is 22. So, so actually this brings us back to drones, why drones are so politically pal palatable. Mm -hmm. It looks like, oh, you can just avoid all that. We, we want to like save our soldiers and keep the homeland safe. Here's the answer, drones. We just have the operators. They drive into their trailers in Nevada, push buttons all day, and go home to their family. N there's no loss of life um, among soldiers. And we don't care about the innocents that are being killed. And they're not reported. Right. They're not reported to us. And if you want to find out about them, you have to read NGO reports, human rights reports. You can find out um, from some of the brave, or I should say courageous journalists who have gone there and, and investigated uh, some of these cases. For example, Jeremy Scahill. Um, but you have to actually do work to find out about the other side of the story. You know, if you want to get beyond the, the headlines, suspected militants killed, and find out about someone like Mama Nabibi. Who knows in the United States about Mama Nabibi? Virtually no one. She was a 68-year-old grandmother who was taken out by a drone in Pakistan while she was picking okra in her family's large field all alone. Okra can mess some people up. <laughs> I feel allergic to it. Okay. People are either but that's collateral. or against okra, right? But, but that's but collateral damage, well supposedly. Well, that's what they say, right? right. I mean, they didn't say anything. They, they didn't mm -hmm. respond to um, requests that they explain what happened. But it's pretty predictable what they would say. GPS coordinate, you know, we, we put in 12 instead of 22. It was a GPS error. Um, so that's, that's the explanation. It's always... Wow. <laughs> it's always... Oops. Oops. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Push the space bar, you know, something like that. But they need like an autocorrect. What's interesting about autocorrect for their uh, yeah. <laughs> GPS coordinates. <laughs> what's interesting about the drone age is that collateral damage is assumed to be permissible, just as though there were soldiers on the on the line. Um, but in fact, there are no soldiers on the line. So why is collateral damage supposed to be permissible? It's almost like a habit of thought. Mm -hmm. You know, you just call it collateral damage, and therefore it's okay. Well, because as, you s as you've described it, is that they've declared it um, a war. They so call it a war. They call it a war. It's not really a war, but they call it a war. So under that pretext, it really comes down to almost like semantics. It's it is. You know what I mean? Very so semantics. we're calling it a war, so therefore we're allowed to have collateral damage. Right. Because if we don't kill these people, they're going to kill us. And how do you – so what, what do we do? Like how do we – 
Well, one thing I tried to do in the book is you to... Can, do, can you just... Um, oh, sure. Yeah, just... Well, you can, I want you to relax. Just, okay. Just bring that closer to you so that way... One thing I tried to do in the book was to show how some cases from the 20th century compare with drone killings. Okay, mm -hmm. so in Chapter 2, I've it's called Black From Black Ops to Standard Operating Procedure. Mm -hmm. And I talk about black op assassination and compare it to, to drone killing, to standard operating procedure... Uh, targeted killing they call it they don't call it assassination and assassination is illegal assassination is illegal under the international law but what they say is we're not assassination we're doing targeted killing again with the so semantics but right it, it is it's redefining rebranding if mm -hmm. you like relabeling acts of killing when you actually look at the dynamics of what's happening though it looks it looks identical to extrajudicial execution or assassination so one example is um, Ahmed Bouchiki, who was a waiter killed by Mossad in Norway uh, in, I believe, 1973. He was perfectly innocent, but they thought that he was a part of PLO and part of the, the Munich massacre. So they killed this guy. So they didn't use a drone. They didn't have drones then. Um, but if drones existed lethal drones and they could have taken him out with a Hellfire missile, how would the case have differed? The difference is there would have been collateral damage. Let's say they employed on him, as they call it, in his restaurant. Everyone present probably would have been killed. Some of the people on the periphery would have been maimed. Um, so that would be the difference. But it's, in, it's interesting that they want to say that it's targeted killing when, it's, when you use a Hellfire missile but it's still assassination if you use, say, a pistol or a strangulation wire. And this looks like a very, a very contentious distinction. Uh, another really good example to think about is the recent killing, authorization of killing by David Cameron of two British nationals. What is British, uh, sorry, what is the... So what, what happened with that one? With oh, okay, so... so two British citizens living in Syria were taken out by drone under British Prime Minister David Cameron's authorization. So he killed them using Hellfire missiles. But it's how illegal. How many countries have drones? I thought it was just us. Oh, no, no, no. We ha Israel had them, um, I think, w used them before us, but we were the first country to use them thousands of miles away from our homeland. So Israel definitely has them, has had them for a long time. Mm -hmm. The United States has them. Britain has them. China has them. And they're Iraq just all over the them. place. They're, going, they're spreading all over the place. Pakistan wow. and Nigeria now have them and have used them against their own citizens in their Whoa. own homeland. Wow. So it's, okay. it's spreading rapidly. It's, um, there's a drone industry boom. They're not that expensive, and it means that every tin pot tyrant out there can get a drone and just take out his political enemies. Where right now, we pay them <laughs> right. for allowing us to go over there and take out that's our enemies, right? That's right. But I want to go back to your thing. I don't want to okay. side rail your... your okay, so, so let's go back to the David Cameron case. So it's illegal to execute people in Britain. I mean, you can't just kill people. It's also a violation like of... Like capital, capital punishment? Exactly. Oh, okay. Also a violation of the EU charter. 
Right. That's Although right. someone told me that there is an exception in British law where f- for treason you can mm. get the death penalty, but sure, but if overall, you kill twenty people for personal reasons, you can't get executed. But if you go against the country slash government <laughs> as treason, <laughs> that's in right. Quote, yeah, I, I have to look into that a little mm-hmm. bit more. But but for now, let's just say that. In general, it's not okay for David Cameron to take a pistol and go kill someone, Correct. right? He has to um, indict them. They have to be uh, tried and convicted, and convicted, even if they're suspected of treason, as you might say these two people were. Um, so, if it's not okay for him to do to send out some operatives to kill British nationals using strangulation wires and pistols, then why is it supposed to be okay for him to do the same thing using Hellfire missiles launched from Predator drones? The answer is, oh, this is war. But it's, again, as you said, a semantic distinction. You're saying, oh, in this case, this form of homicide is war because we used a missile, right? How is it not assassination? You still intend to kill the person. You still are acting premeditatedly. You're stalking them just the way a hitman does. And you go kill them. So the only difference is the implement of homicide. You're using a missile instead of a pistol or a poison or a strangulation wire. And you're saying, okay, because it's a missile, it's an act of war, which is really odd. I think what they've done, and I remember reading this back in the day, uh, right after 9-11, I think it was around the time when the Patriot Act came out, and you started hearing a lot more of these terms about terrorism. I really, I got to dig back. I have a, a, an archive of all these articles that came out back then. I think they'd be very interesting. I might, um, I'll try to find them. I think you would like to read them because I started like just saving all these different things. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> There's this one about the term enemy combatant. Mm-hmm. And this is like way over you know, 15 years old, 14 years old. And they were saying how once you label someone a combatant of war or an enemy combatant, that changes the entire perspective. Just like, you know, the, the the war, the term war, the semantics behind saying it's a war, so therefore, you know, it's collateral damage, uh, it's uh, target killing, it's not assassination, it's target mm-hmm. killing because it's war. I think that's how they're getting away with it, is they're saying, oh, he's an enemy combatant. He doesn't get to be, and you, you touched about that in, your, in your book, he doesn't get to, you know, have the privilege of, you know, the, 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 the United, United Nations Charter, Human rights, et cetera, et cetera. It's actually unlawful combatant is the term. Unlawful you're, combatant. You're, you're, okay. Yeah, unlawful I thought it was an enemy combatant. No? Well, enemy combatant would cover everyone, even people who are protected by the Geneva Convention. Oh, great. But yeah. unlawful <laughs> combatant, that was something that came up in the Bush era and has been seized upon by the drone warriors in, under Obama. So unlawful combatants are people who are protected by none of the conventions. They're not protected by the laws of civil society because it's war, and they're not protected by the laws of war because they're unlawful. <laughs> okay, I see what you're saying. Okay. So, God, that, so there's nothing. There's nothing. There's nothing. They, they can't defend themselves. I mean, some of these people are innocent, and basically they're not provided with the opportunity to surrender, mm-hmm. as you would have to do for a lawful P-O- combatant P-O-W. enemy. Right, combatant, right, right. So... <coughs> God, it's so fucked, man, <laughs> this whole thing. What do we do? It's frightening is what, what we it do? is. You know, it's we, really frightening. We had to go through all these wars mm-hmm. and, and see all these atrocities so we can look back and say, okay, guys, after World War II, we lots of, millions of people died. Mm-hmm. It's really bad. Let's all get together and make some rules. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you know, there's um, 
what do you call it, uh, rules of engagement. Mm -hmm. There's the uh, Geneva Convention, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Do we have to go through? Do we have to go through the drone era and after like a decade or two when we start seeing like all this horrific shit and then finally we go back and say, let's get some rules established? I mean, well, legal scholars have already taken issue with this whole mode of quote unquote waging war. You know, back in 2010, Philip Alston issued uh, a report indicating that it looks like these drone strikes do violate international law. And then his successor, Christoph Haynes, said the same thing. These are like the top official on the, the top officials on extrajudicial execution um, for the UN. So they they know their stuff. They're lawyers. They've they know the the, the legalese and uh, what these documents mean. They have already taken a stand and said this is illegal. But what happened is the U.S. government just said, whatever, we're going to do whatever we want to do. You know, what are you going to do to stop us, basically? I mean, they didn't say it in those words, but they ignored these reports, and they ignored the uh, criticisms by legal scholars. A lot of legal scholars have written on this topic. Of course, a few legal scholars have supported this um, government position a little opportunistically, I would have to say. But mm -hmm. And, of course lawyers within the Obama administration have drawn up um, documents such as the white paper which supposedly explain why this mode of killing is supposedly legal. But again, it involves redefining everything. So if you want to redefine immediacy, so instead of instead of saying that an immediate sorry, um, an imminent threat has to be immediate, the Obama administration lawyers have said, oh, no, an, imin an imminent threat does not have to be immediate. Mm -hmm. So that leaves it wide open. It can be anything. An imminent threat now it means something like possible future Thought threat. Thought of <laughs> doing something exactly. that might do. <laughs> I think it's abhorrent. And it's like it's almost like we have these people that say, okay, we got to send these things. You know, we got to do the drone wars or whatever that they want to do. And then someone goes, well, ha hang on a minute. We might get some criticism. And then someone goes, okay, grab some lawyers and find out how we can get away with it. What can we say to make it okay? I think some it's, of them really believe it. I it's mean, like some first of them grade, you know, like, <laughs> you know <laughs> what I mean? I know. It's, it's hard to know whether you can believe any of them or some of them may be sincere. But on the, on the other hand, it's easy to be cynical about it because it looks like you're viola violating the law. So, yeah, let's just re redefine a few terms, and then voila, we're no longer <laughs> violating the law. Mm -hmm. It happened under Bush, and it happened under Obama. The drone program is headed by the CIA, right? I think that the Pentagon also has their own drone program, but the primary one in... So there's multiple drone programs. There are. There are, th there are th at least three different hit lists. There's a CIA hit list, there's a DOD mm -hmm. hit list, and there's an... And it, uh, NSA is it NSA? There's there are definitely three lists at least. Is there a domestic hit list? I mean, are we going to get <laughs> there one day? Yeah, we don't. I you know. I like to think <laughs> of it this way. Um, it's almost like if if a crazy gunman mm -hmm. is roaming wild in a school mm -hmm. in the U.S. Mm -hmm. and he's mowing down people at a time, you don't just send in a tank. To blow up the entire school right. and kill everybody and say, well, we had to get him right. or, th or her. Right. And in the collateral damage are the students, teachers, and faculty. 
why would we do that overseas? That's a really good analogy. Right? And that's exactly what's happening because the people who are being killed are being killed within their own civil society. Now, you can define it as a hostile territory if you like, but the only reason for doing that is to give you the license to kill in that area. Mama Nabibi, the grandmother who was killed while picking okra in her family's field, she was living in her own civil society. It wasn't a war zone as far as she was concerned. Um, another case is Abdul Rahman Al-Laki. They were, he and his friends, that's the son of Anwar Al-Laki. 16-year-old boy. He that was, was killed two weeks after his father, right after turning 16, by the way, making him military age. Ooh. I know it's a little scary. Uh, was it intentional? <laughs> can you go into the detail? I saw, because I saw the film, um, what was the name of the film that James Scahill produced? Dirty Wars. Dirty Wars. Same as this book. God, yeah. is that such a good book. Yeah. I mean, it's a film and a good book. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, Anwar Alawalaki is the father. Right. His son was 15, turned 16, goes out to play with his friends, and they get bombed, and they all die. Right. Well, wh what did the kid do? Like, why would you... Wh wh no, the kid did nothing. I mean, it's still unclear whether it was intentional. It kind of seems that it may have been intentional because it's just too weird that just by accident a Hellfire missile happened to aim at where he and his friends were out having a barbecue at night, you know, in some village in Yemen. It's just, it seems like a really odd coincidence that he just turned 16, making him fair game according to the ROE drawn up by the drone killers. Um, it seems like a very, very bizarre coincidence, but we've had no statement on this in terms of... They um, haven't addressed it. They haven't addressed it, no. That's such a... I think I, feel, I felt that. That, that type of um, just recklessness and carelessness, you can really see that with the Bush era. Mm. I think that's where it started. And the difference between Bush and the other, I think, leaders as far as I, when I was alive and seeing them address certain issues and things on TV is that Bush kind of went really aggressive and def in, in defensive mode. Mm -hmm. It wasn't, it was like, yeah, we're doing this, we're in your face, it's what it is. Right. And I think that set a precedent. Because after eight years of that, mm -hmm. they can get away with saying, well, we're just not going to answer that. Well, this is what we're going to do. Mm. And we don't care. Mm -hmm. Same thing as, you know, in, in so according to the United Nations and, and NATO and the UN Charter, is that you can't just go to war if, you know, NATO, NATO saying, you know, what was it? Was it NATO? Is it the UN Council? Or you have to go to the UN Security Council right, and to basically get permission to go to, war. go to war. Unless it's an explicit act of national self-defense. And again, that's what they say. They say, mm -hmm. oh, each of these drone strikes is conforms with the UN Charter because of Article 51, which is a self-defense clause. But it really stretches credulity to say that killing these individual unnamed suspects is somehow an act of national defense. I mean... And we don't even know, we don't <laughs> even know who they are sometimes. We don't even know who they are, that's right. And after, you know, the, the person that's manning the drone program, that's pressing the button to kill people, they get done with their, you know, they, they're done with their assignment or they're retiring. Then they get, you say, like a scorecard Oh, you've killed this many people. Well, Brandon Bryant was given a, sc a scorecard of sorts, which indicated that he had contributed to the deaths of 1,626 people. So he was a censor, and they guide the missiles to the target. And I believe that he said in one of his interviews that he himself pushed the button something like 13 times. But these drone operators work in shifts and in groups, and they tend to monitor the same person for weeks or months 
maybe even years at a time. And so lots of people are collaborating to the death of each target. Mm -hmm. So that's how his numbers are so high. Um, I don't know whether they're still going to be giving those scorecards out because Brandon Bryant made it made somewhat of a big deal out of it. Um, he's really the only one who's spoken out. He's very brave to have done so. And I think that he's met with a lot of anger. I think he's going to be so. on one of those lists. Well, <laughs> maybe they maybe he's safe because he's been so public. And he'll be a martyr if he does. So they can't really do that. Well, it it will look like an accidental death is what will uh, what it will look like if he does end up dead. But I don't think it's going to happen. I mm -hmm. mean, I hope not. Gosh. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. You had an awesome analogy in your book um where you compared uh the drone strikes to the mafia. Uh-huh. And I would do a very much of a discredit if I try to explain it. Okay. Do you mind kind of just like touching up on that? Not at all. Because I thought it was very fascinating the way you described it. And I kept going, huh. Yeah, this idea first came to my mind. I loved, by the way, the intro of that chapter. Uh, oh, right. The it, quotes from... Um, is it Johnny, Bra or Johnny, Johnny Brasco? Yeah, Lefty Ruggiero. Yeah, that was... Um, I absolutely enjoyed reading that. So this chapter See, this book is full of like little scribbles and stuff because I was taking notes. Good, and there's just good. so much cool stuff in here. Um, oh, right. They're from two movies, from Donnie Brasco and Claude. And, and they're both hitmen. It's like, ain't nothing like the army, right? Right. Uh, uh, so good. the quote is, the army ain't nothing like the army. The army is some guy you don't know sends you out to whack some other guy you don't know. Army. But whatever you may think about conventional soldiers, this seems really true to me in the case of drone operators. And uh, one reason is that the drone operators are following orders in the way that a hitman follows an order handed down by his boss without asking questions. So the drone operators don't have access to the intelligence. And that's you what you describe as compartmentalization, right? Right. So basically, they have a job. This mm -hmm. is their job, and they do what they're told. A good hitman carries out the act of homicide for which he has been paid and leaves no traces behind and make sure that his boss is never discovered. So that's what a hitman does. Drone operators are doing a very similar thing. They're doing, they're told, the order comes down, go kill this person, and good soldiers just obey obediently and they don't ask questions because that's not the role of a soldier, even though a drone, drone operator is not necessarily a combat soldier, but they conduct themselves in the manner of soldiers in that regard um, because they, f they do follow the orders to kill. And there are a couple of interesting similarities between the hitman and the drone operator. One is that the, the people who are killing can't really have any personal rancor against the people whom they kill because they don't know them, right? You're a person you're killing from your screen as a drone operator is just a silhouette and unless it's a high-value target, in which case there may be a huge mythology um, built up around him. But if it's just an unnamed person and you're supposed to go kill that guy in that hut today, mm -hmm. um, it's not like you can hold, you can have anything against him. He never tried to kill you, right? The only reason you're doing it is because you're paid to do this job. So I think it's very similar. And I think that... Um, only certain types of people are going to be attracted to this profession after a while once they start to think through what exactly it involves. Um, they're killing people and...
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And their own lives are not on the line. Um, it's not a case of legitimate self-defense, unless you want to redefine that term as it has been redefined to include Which basically anything. Right. right. It can include, sorry, it can include anything. And so... Um, the secrecy also is very similar in the two cases, the mafia and the drone program. There's no indication of what the criteria are. You know, how did these people get on the hit list? Why are these people on the hit list? How can they get their names removed from the hit list? Let's say they're on there erroneously. There's no option. There's right? no option. It's it's so crazy. And there's no and basically you, once you've been fingered as a target to be dispatched it's almost inevitable that you're going to die. And that's the same case for you don't know the victim of a hitman, right? Because the hitman comes up, lurks in the shadows and mm-hmm. kind of studies what you do and watches you where you go and where, where can he strike without anyone witnessing it. That's what a hitman does. And drone operators are doing the same thing. They're lurking in the shadows, up in the sky, actually in the, from their trailers. They're lurking and they're stalking. They're doing exactly the same thing that hitmen do. And so, yeah, I think it's really important that people think through this and, and recognize that drone operators are not doing the same thing that the noble and honorable soldier of the past did. Whatever you may think about war in general, there were courageous soldiers in the past. Some of them were laboring under falsehoods, but they wanted to fight and were ready to die for their country. And that's not the case for the drone operators. I think that's very true. And I, I, I always say that because people get upset, you know. It's yeah. a very touchy subject. People have – I have friends in the military. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had, like, a distant relatives that have died in Iraq, ironically. Right. And it, people are emotional about it. And there's a lot of ethos, a lot of emotion, a lot of – and they're brilliant. The establishment is brilliant at, you know, using certain key words, honor, you know, mm-hmm. courage, mm-hmm. freedom. You know, America. Memorial Day. Memorial Day, veterans. Parades. Mm -hmm. So they're brilliant at sensationalizing and making everything, you know, look just emotionally entangled with your own belief system. Mm -hmm. You do believe you're in the greatest country in the world. You have the patriotism, the blind nationalism. Mm -hmm. We're America. We are a beacon of freedom. It all Uh, goes back to World War II. I mean, basically the argument is... We saved the world from the Nazis, therefore everything is permitted. But didn't Russia do that? Wasn't didn't <laughs> it Russia was a win the war? We did it with with Russia. With Russia, but yeah, they. But I mean, I read an article about how Russia is actually the country that won the war. But we have been. You have to admit, we've been sailing on those World War II laurels forever. 
basically well, you can forget you can forgive Vietnam because of World War Two. You can forgive the invasion of Iraq in two thousand three because of World War Two. You can mm -hmm. forgive everything because of World War Two. I think at some point our our political capital is run is going to run out if it has not already um, in the Middle East, where people are like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> well, at that point, we'll find a new boogeyman. You know, yeah. it was communism. Yeah. Then it was, you know, Islamists. And then I don't know what the next frontier will be, but there's always somebody to kill. And I feel like that industry is always going to exist. The Hitler um, du jour. See, the Hitler thing yeah. is like the 9-11 thing. Mm. You have to keep milking. Mm. You know, you got to... And how do you do that? And I feel like Hollywood plays a huge role. The mm. media plays a giant role in that. You just mm -hmm. keep remanufacturing and rehashing things like that. And you make it sound like morally incomprehensible to even ask a question as, uh, of, of, well, can we move forward? Mm -hmm. No, you can't. You know, mm -hmm. How dare you? Like, how dare you? Uh, that, that tragic event. Well, it's like, why don't we look at what we do? Right. You know, well, why don't we look at, like, you know, the bombs we drop on Japan? You know, what, which, mm. uh, God, I mean, you know, we don't even talk about that. You know, we don't even really. Well, there are people who continue to defend those actions. Um, that we had to do it and it would have see this is the this is what really gets me is that if you were to they, they strategically place that in things like the History Channel mm -hmm. or in National Geographic mm -hmm. where they'll explain in a documentary format that well had we not done that more people would have you know been killed right or the case was Japan was actually ready to surrender mm -hmm. right and you know to go with what you're saying is we just have to keep on bringing up these issues so we can keep having new you know the same reasons well yeah it starts to look like grounds for a conspiracy theory after a while you start to really believing in the military industrial congressional media academic pharmaceutical logistics complex i mean how can you not when it looks like we're generating more enemies than we're eliminating in the Middle East, at least. I mean, things are getting worse and worse. They're not getting better. Yemen did not become a safe place because of the drone program. Uh, it experienced a coup and is now a complete war zone, um, mm -hmm. being bombed by all, by all See, sorts of See, but the parts. brilliant John McCain or Rick Santorum mm -hmm. or any of the, uh, you know, the war hawks, they'll tell you, well, since 9-11, we haven't been attacked, so it's actually working. That's their rhetoric your question about the Warhawks and, and their answer. Oh, look, we've been keeping you safe. Mm -hmm. um, again, in the short term, it may look like that on the surface, but when you look at what we've actually done, and I try to talk about this in the intro, um, the number of people whom we have killed or who have died as a result of our various counterterrorism and anti-terrorist initiatives, it just overshadows anything that happened on 911 or, or anything that was ever done by by Osama bin Laden. I mean, hundreds of thousands of people have been killed, um, probably more by now, um, but just in, in the Iraq and Afghanistan scenarios. So when you look at all of the tragedy for humanity, Okay, so just set aside the fact that we're Americans and we, we mm -hmm. want to keep the homeland safe. When you look at all the tragedy that has been wrought on humanity through these initiatives, then you start to feel a little bit queasy, I think. But I think most Americans don't know the numbers. They don't understand what we're doing to people. Um, they also have been seduced by the relative 
re the relatively low number of civilian civilian casualties where collateral damage is cons construed only in terms of body count. So they think collateral damage is body count. So the estimates on civilian deaths by drones vary from several hundred to several thousand, both of which seem small compared to the Iraq war, the Afghanistan war, certainly Vietnam. And so they say, you know, look, the numbers are really, really small. But what is unique to the drone age is what I call a second order collateral damage, which, which is a type of, in some ways, more destructive damage. And that damage is done to the survivors of drone strikes. The double tap you're talking about, Double right? tap is, yeah. one, is one example um, where uh, wounded, wounded targets are struck again and in, in the process first responders are killed exactly okay so that's one thing but there's a whole nother layer of collateral damage which no one even acknowledges in the u.s government and that is the psychological damage that is being done to the people living in these areas because they're now afraid that they're going to be killed so even if their family members have not died yet the the sight and the sound of the lethal drones hovering overhead and they do hover you know 24 hours a day when they're after a target you can hear that has traumatized yeah it sounds really? like a kind of generator a humming sound uh, yeah wow so now i know what to look for <laughs> yeah so um, <laughs> oh shit and they also they also know um that when the drones are around they're going to be killing someone so so what happens and, and there have been several um human rights that's kind of like that siren, right, back in the day. Right. Okay, so okay. people are like, oh, no, you know, the drones are coming. They're going to kill someone. And even if they don't associate with a terrorist, they never know whether they're going to be killed, you know. Because random people are being blown up left and right. Look, <laughs> if I was, you know, if I was, if I was in a neighborhood and I lived over, you know, in Yemen or Pakistan or uh, Libya or wherever we're sending these drones, mm -hmm. and I'm a kid and I'm growing up because this has been going on since, what, 02, 03? Okay, so in 03, right now, I'll be, I'll be about, what, 15, 16 years old, mm -hmm. the legal age to mm -hmm. be considered an enemy combatant or unlawful combatant. And all my life, I'm hearing about these drones. Right. I can hear them in the sky. Right. I know that they're killing us. I have no fucking clue why all my family members are dying. Right. right? right. And I'm growing up, and I'm thinking, well, what is this? And then some, well, some people say, well, these Americans, they, they get their planes out here. There's murder. We don't know why. There's no communication going on to understand what is happening. That's right. Guess what? This is the blowback you're talking about. I'm going to say, okay, you know what, dude? My, I'm broken. My mind's broken. I've had enough. I'm probably going to die anyways. Right. But what I'm going to do? Raise a family in this, in this area? No. I'm going to go out and find who's fighting America. Well, ISIS, ISIS is fighting. I'm going to join ISIS. And that's creating more enemies. That is an right? excellent. You just you basically described the findings of a recent report issued by Al Karama, mm -hmm. a, a, an organization based in Switzerland, which went into Yemen and interviewed people and found exactly what you just said. It's almost as though you read the report because, in a way, it's common sense. Like you could predict this. Like if you can just get in the mindset of what it's like to live under drones. That's the reaction you would have, particularly this happens among young boys. They become angry. And it doesn't even matter if they've lost a family member. Al-Karama discovered that the levels of fear, anxiety, paranoia, and anger are on a par, I mean, among people who haven't lost family members are on a par with those who have lost family members. So that means the entire community 
is being affected um, by what I call second-order collateral damage, the mm -hmm. psychological effect. And you're right. They lose the ability to plan for the future because they don't know if they'll be there tomorrow. Yeah, why well, am I going to bring a kid to this world, really? <laughs> so am I going to be even available? That was, actually, I mean, that was a brilliant uh, explanation of the whole report, really, what you just said. That's exactly <laughs> the findings um, that, that, they f that they derived when they interviewed people on the ground. The people lose their ability to plan for the future. They lose the ability to experience former sources of joy because they're so afraid. They're afraid other reports um, by Amnesty International and some other groups, including Reprieve, have shown that people are afraid to associate with one another in groups because they're afraid that it will be misinterpreted as a terrorist retreat. So all these mm -hmm. weddings which have been struck. Yeah, they blow right? up weddings, <laughs> man. Who is... Ex realistically speaking, it's not funny. It's yeah, terrible. yeah, yeah. No, it, it's 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 funny because it's true. You so, know, it's so one of those sad things. Like it's very, very sad. And this is what p Americans are missing. And I feel like if Americans understood these sorts of effects and didn't just say, "Oh, collateral damage, a few hundred civilians," you know, that's really good next to Vietnam. If they actually understood the effect of this program and the psyche of entire communities of people, many of whom are innocent. Maybe they would think twice about it, but but what happens is they've accepted collateral damages body count, and they're and they, you know, Obama says, oh, there haven't been there hasn't been a huge number of civilian civilian deaths from drones. Well, there's been a huge amount of terrorism by drones. Okay, and these people have been. It's not terrorists when we do it. It's not terrorism when we do it. Yeah, I don't know. I think terror. If you define, depends on how you define terrorism, right? If you define terrorism as the arbitrary threat of death then the drone program is absolutely terrorism. It is it's terrorism. It's totally arbitrary. You made that comparison in your book, and it's a brilliant comparison, and I think it's true. You, 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 I can't remember. You said something along the you. It was a very clever way of comparison, comparing terrorism to what we're doing here, right? We're right. murdering innocent people that pose no real threat, no immediate threat. And, you know, when we do it, we're not terrorists. Right, when so I compared it to 911. In, in 911, um, yes, the... Yes, 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 yes. I want you to... Because okay. I, was, I was reading it, I loved it so okay, much. Okay, so, so I compared the, the drone program to 911 because in both cases, people who are unarmed are being stalked and targeted. They have no ability to defend themselves, and they're not warned ahead of time, so there's nothing they can do you know, to get out, to extricate themselves from this place. And in both cases, it's this stealth... Initiative and in, in 911 they used uh, commercial airliners, which were really bombs, but they were disguised as commercial airliners. Um, with the Predator drones, it's just this thing up in the sky that's that's incomprehensible, and a missile is going to be emitted by it now and then, and you have no idea why. You have no idea if you're on the hit list, or if your father's on the hit list, or your brother's on the hit list, and if your father or brother are killed by a drone, you have no idea how to make any claim mm -hmm. you know my my dad wasn't a terrorist you just killed my dad so what's the, the no one's going to hear that voice no one's going to hear voice, that voice no one's going to hear that voice very few people will hear that voice i liked how you said people overseas that attacked you know or supported the attack of 9-11 are people that are thinking americans are terrible they've been sanctioning and killing Iraqis. They've been doing all these things. So we're going to go over there and hit America. Right. Right. So we go there. We kill three thousand from their perspective. Right. I don't want to be. Yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah, not no, part no, of no, that. No, 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 no. So from their perspective, they're saying 
we're going to go over there and we're going to bomb some Americans to get them to understand. And so on 9-11, we're going to go, you know, send these planes, kill people that, like you said, they're suspected associates. They're associated with the American government because they're American. And they're and they're contributing. They're contributing. The they're they're, they're contributing. They're paying taxes. Mm-hmm. They're supportive of everything. So by association, they're guilty. Mm-hmm. Now people on nine eleven have no clue what's coming. Right. They go to New York. They go into the Twin Towers, um, the Pentagon, wherever, and they just happen to be there that day right. when that event happened. In the same sense, people overseas, they're supposedly associated with some terrorists through whatever reason, which we have no clue. And we're basing it on uh, not even our intelligence. A lot of times we're basing on the intelligence of the political leaders that are getting paid money to allow us to go. They give us a hit list. We say these are people that are associating with terrorists, supposedly. They have no clue. They haven't been warned. Um, we just They can't surrender. No, they can't surrender. They can't claim innocence. They can't do anything. They have no idea. And we incinerate them. Right. We incinerate them. And um, like you said, there's a the double tap where we hit the first bomb, we wait a little bit, and then we hit the second bomb. So anybody who's sitting there and saying, oh, whoa, someone just got blasted. Let's go see if they're okay. Yeah. We're going to get blasted as well. And then we're labeled as suspected combatants, all of us, collectively, right. regardless of who it is. Right. And we've been doing this to thousands of people. Yeah. Have we reached that? What's the number? Is there, a, is there a number of people killed by drones, whether innocent or not? Thousands, definitely thousands. Thousands. More and than 6,000, I think. More than 6,000 people killed by drones across the lands um, for no reason. And no, they, they say there's a reason. I mean, you know, they're not just shooting in the dark, but the problem mm-hmm. is the intelligence, and you, you touched on that. The intelligence comes from two sources. Well, I mean, as far as they're concerned, there's no reason. When you oh, say, oh, oh, from the people who are killed. Yeah, hit. and when you, say, when you say 10% of it's the targets are... It's incomprehensible to the people who are killed. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, when they s- and especially when you say 10% of these targets are terrorists, the rest are just collateral damage. No, they don't say that. They though. don't say that? The government says that their enemy killed in action. E-K-I-A is what the slide said from the Jeremy Scahill. So they're all enemies. Um, that's right. It's just the military-age m- male is, uh, by definition, Oh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm saying, in objectively speaking, realistically, objectively speaking, there's right. 10% actual terrorists, 90% people associated, people in the area that happen to perhaps be because what do we define? We define them as males in that age of 16 to 50, 55. Mm-hmm. If they're in that area and they're blasted, they're suspected of terrorism by association. That's right. That's ridiculous. <laughs> is that? I mean, really, it really is ridiculous. Look, you're preaching to the choir. I mean, <laughs> this is part of the reason why I wrote the book, because mm-hmm. it just strikes me as outrageous. I mean, when I think about this scenario, and I feel like Americans just don't understand what they're supporting. They think they're supporting uh, a light footprint strategy. They don't understand uh, the ramifications of, of the drone program because they're, they're fixated on this concept of collateral damage is exhausted by body count, and the body count looks low compared to previous conflicts. I think you give the American public way too much credit <laughs> because they're, realistically speaking, I feel that most Americans don't even know that there's a drone program. Okay. Mm-hmm. Most Americans don't understand what a drone. They don't. If when you speak about drones, they think those little planes that right. deliver. St- but you know what? It's not entirely their fault. No, 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 no. Because the, the government didn't talk about it for nearly ten years. So the first mm-hmm. time it was acknowledged was by Deputy Defense Deputy Defense Secretary Paul Wolfowitz right after the November third, two thousand and two drone strike. He bragged about it, 
it was supposed to be a covert op, but he bragged about it and said, oh, it's a CIA thing. So, to you know, he bragged to basically let people know, oh, we're keeping you safe. Okay, after that, though, the government was hushed. They didn't say a word about drone killing until Barack Obama in January 2012, getting ready for his re-election campaign, finally talked about it in a Google Talk chat. And he said, oh, you know, drones aren't killing a huge number of civilians, and it's not just a a group of folks in a room making decisions somewhere, I think is how he put it. My question... He would say the folks. What is it? Yeah. What is it? If that's not what it is, what is it, right? What mm -hmm. else could it be? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so um, oh, it's so my yeah. point is that the government didn't talk about it. So why does the populace have no knowledge of lethal drones or very little limited knowledge? I will give you the real it's reason. It's because the government didn't talk about it. The government didn't talk about it. It went from covert to overt, and now it's considered standard operating procedure by dint of repetition we never had a debate this is why okay i'm, I'm gonna ready. give you two words i'm ready kim kardashian <laughs> right no i re i really believe i believe of course because no one's talking about it it's not in the news right it's the government the doesn't news. talk All about it are these like these headlines that persuade us to believe that we're being kept safe safe six more suspected militants killed yeah that's really as a society you know we have to at some point understand that entertainment mm -hmm. and i'm i'm all for, i love entertainment i love watching movies i love tv shows um who doesn't right but you have to have some sort of you, you got to have some kind of sense of responsibility mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. you can't just watch reality tv all day okay and then Possibly skim through some Fox News, you know, listen to a little bit of a debate every once in a while and assume that we're doing good because we're not. Mm. And by doing so, we're less less safe, mm -hmm. you know. So to your point of blowback, we're creating way more enemies. Mm -hmm. And these enemies are going to be far more determined, far more dangerous because they're a lot angrier. And they have a, a, a very legitimate reason to be angry. Look, if someone killed my family... Mm -hmm. You know, I, I if I had the chance, I would probably retaliate in the same manner mm -hmm. if I knew I wouldn't get caught. Mm -hmm. But because of the legal justice system, okay, and um, if I knew personally, like if I knew, you're, pro you're probably putting yourself on a hit list right now. <laughs> Just oh, by I, making yeah. this statement, you are now a suspected terrorist or a future potential. Oh, I'm pretty sure I've been suspected. <laughs> I've probably I've probably been. You're a future potential recruit. Right? I'm really high right now. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> But oh, I, that's I, right. Your vitamins have kicked in. My, my, my alpha brain is actually weed, and okay. I'm really high. I'm not sober. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I just feel like that's what that's what I would be thinking. Like, mm. if, if, if... It's common sense. I mean, someone kills your father, you're going to be angry. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. And you're going to want to defend his honor in many cases. Let's think about it this way. 3,000 Americans died on 9-11. And we collectively... And I don't say we, as in my suck, because I was against it, because I... As a cynic, I, I, I knew Iraq had nothing to do with 9-11. Right. Most, most people that read and, and read thoroughly understand that aspect. Yes. Um, which is why when Hillary Clinton says, oh, she was convinced and she blamed the intelligence, it was bullshit. Mm. You knew exactly what's happening. You know, you, your husband was bombing Iraq throughout the 90s. Well, you know, that was very craven on the part of Congress in, in 2002. They basically signed off. That Bush would able they to. They gave him the carte mm -hmm. blanche to wage war when and where he deemed necessary, and that was a that was really hard without thumbs. 
thank you. It was very craven in my view because what they did, it, it, it was political expediency. They were like, okay, so if it works, great. If it doesn't work, we don't bear any responsibility because it was Bush's decision. So they mm -hmm. renounced their congressional authority to, um, to rein in the executive and they just said, you know, do what you need to do. Of course, in a show of support and and we were fine with that. America was look not even just the Congress. The American c citizens, mm -hmm. the American population, was fine with us going to Iraq because we're pissed off. You know, mm -hmm. we're pissed off 16 years later, and we treat 9/11 as if it's the biggest tragedy to ever strike this nation. And that's they use that word. They mm -hmm. say that this is the greatest tragedy to ever hit America is 9/11, mm -hmm. where 3,000 people died. Mm -hmm. Take that number, mm -hmm. multiply it by what a thousand. When you, yeah, you, thousand, you yeah. know, when you consider the amount of people that we've killed overseas. Or, or wrecked their lives as well. Yeah, yeah not even done. talking about the ones that are through sanctions and all the other things. Like, if you're growing up in a country and you know that we can't get medicine in, yeah. we can't get, you know, Iraq couldn't even get pencils in because they supposedly have lead. Right. Okay. Right. So if you're going through this tragic life since inception... And all you can understand is that America is this evil entity, supposedly, that's doing all this. Mm -hmm. What's going to be in your mind? There's a really good example um, illustrating what you just said, which is the case of Junaid Hussein, a British national who was taken out by a U.S. drone a couple months ago. The guy was supposedly a high-value target. He was 21 can years... Can you just get this? He was no, you can, you can lean back. I can lean back and just do this. Okay, bring, there bring we go. it close to you. Okay. Uh, 21-year-old, quote-unquote, high-value target. The guy was like six years old when Iraq was invaded, okay? And after that, as he grew up, he became more and more sympathetic to ISIS. Eventually, he became an ISIS sympathizer and hacker, okay? So he's very intelligent and very talented. And look what happened to his life. He was destroyed by a drone. But why did he become sympathetic to ISIS? I mean, he was just a kid. He was six years old when Iraq was invaded. It was mm -hmm. his witnessing of what was going on that made him sympathetic with ISIS. So we're creating these enemies, and then we're destroying them. And it's really a tragedy, I think. I mean, you have to look at the human cost of this. Like, this guy was not evil when he was six years old and Iraq was invaded. He was just a kid. And he evolved into a hacker helping ISIS, right? His life could have followed an entirely different trajectory. He could have been a great computer scientist. He could have been Edward Snowden. Yeah. I mean, he could have been all sorts of things. Mm -hmm. I mean, even just erase the whole war picture. He, could, he was obviously very intelligent and very talented. And so what I want to say is that these young people who are being killed, because all of the older people are already dead, um, they're some of the best that humanity would be producing if we weren't forming them in this way. They're being formed by what they witness. Mm -hmm. And we bear a responsibility for that. We're, we're making these people. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No In some sense, take up arms. Violence begets violence, right? Yep. 
And that's the whole thing with the blowback. That's what. And and nine one one's a perfect example of that. Okay, so they struck us instead of s- taking the moral high ground and saying we're not going to descend your level. We're going to pursue the criminals through the proper channels, and we're going to bring the responsible parties to justice. Instead, we invaded and attacked entire nations, most of the inhabitants of which had nothing to do with nine one one. Most people know. in Afghanistan don't even know mm-hmm. what nine one one was. Correct. So uh, what was it? Was it there's was it dirty wars where they asked the girl in Afghanistan and they're just like, what? what's America? They don't even know what America <laughs> is. They just all they know is that these bombs are coming down. Right. It's just incomprehensible. Um, turning their civil societies into war zones when they're not even bearing arms or understanding why they attacked us. I think that's such an important uh, question. And I remember. It's the establishment. I really believe that because, you know, when you had Ron Paul in debates in 08 and he was talking about 9-11 and why they attack us. And you have Rudy Giuliani, you know, a corrupt establishment person. <laughs> I, I, I really have no sympathy for these people because they know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Look, he's not in it because he actually believes he's going to help the nation. I don't buy mm-hmm. that for one second. I think you reach the point where you're mayor of New York. You know a lot more than you'd show. You know, you're mm-hmm. intelligent. You know what's going on. And um, but it depends on where you get your news. I mean, a lot of Americans think that Americans, but if you're the 1991 Gulf War was this great success story, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, we got Saddam Hussein to remove his forces from Kuwait. Right. Big party, tie a yellow ribbon, all this stuff. Okay, so they thought this was great. They know nothing about the aftermath of the 1991 Gulf War. They know nothing about the fact that the U.S. military bombed the water treatment facilities of Iraq causing the deaths of hundreds of thousands of children. They didn't know nothing about this. So when 911 happened, from their perspective, it was just incomprehensible. Like, why would someone do this to us? And then you have, well, this is the thing. Uh, you, instead of asking and really understanding why, mm-hmm. and maybe some people did, you have the president of the greatest country on the planet responding by saying they hate us because of our freedom. Right, and they repeated that that's just trope like over and over and over again. You know, Osama bin Laden even made fun of that little statement. He said something to the fact, this is a paraphrase, but uh, if it were true that we hate you for your liberty, let Bush explain why Sweden. we didn't bomb Sweden. Sweden, I remember That's that. Right. Yes. <laughs> why we didn't attack Sweden. Yeah, why won't you attack Sweden? But people don't, people don't get that. You know, they don't, um, they just, they like the Manichaean dichotomy we are good, they're evil, and we're going to go get the evil enemy. And it's, it's a unf- sense of denial, It's right? unfortunate. I mean, I think that if people recognized the, the amount of damage being done to entirely innocent people, incontestably innocent people through these various initiatives, I, you know, you can call me naive, but I believe that they might have a slight change of heart. And I, I want to have this debate. That's why I wrote the book. Because, I, and I say this in the acknowledgments, I wrote the book for the people who disagree with me. I want them to think through what we're doing as a culture, as a society, as a country, to our fellow human beings, and ask, is this what we are? Is this who we want to be? And I'm hoping that Americans will eventually start doing some soul searching. I mean, it's clear that what we're doing isn't working. Look at the Middle East. So you may believe that we haven't had another 911 true but look at the the chaos and 
mess, for lack of a better word, in the Middle East. It's just getting worse and worse and worse. And so it looks like um, someone said the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and expecting a different result. Mm -hmm. Why do we keep doing the same thing over and over again when it didn't work? It didn't work in Iraq. It didn't work in Afghanistan. It didn't work in Yemen. It didn't work in Pakistan. It didn't work in Libya. It didn't work in Syria. Although Hillary Clinton claimed that the Libya intervention was smart power at its best. She's an idiot. <laughs> That's what she said Actually, in the Actually, I, I take that back. She's not an idiot. She's just a cunning person. I would use a different She's word. A She's a politician. Dirty. She's one of the dirtiest people. I just But can't. you know what? Everyone, I mean, I don't want to say everyone, but even Bernie Sanders says that he will support, he will continue the Obama tradition of, and he said these words, drone assassination. He uses oh the word assassination. Oh, my God. <laughs> so did he really? He did. He used the word drone assassination. So he's a guy, he's, he's more focused on domestic policy, right? But he has to, in order to get votes, I suppose, you know. He's the guy with the golden unicorn <laughs> that's promising free everything <laughs> to everybody, and the college kids love it. And he's tapped into that audience. But I've, this is what I've been telling people, and I've never heard that one. So that that's very – I have to look that up because I've been telling my friends that support Bernie Sanders. Yeah. I'm like, this guy is not a, an anti-war politician. No, he's not he's an not. anti-war politician. He talks nice. He might have – but they used – oh, he voted against the Iraq war. Well, he voted to fund everything that went into that war afterwards. Mm-hmm. He voted to give Bush the, you know, the right to go to war by himself. I, it's just another politician, you mm. know. He's nice because he's old. I was disappointed when I heard that he was answering questions about foreign policy um, in that vein, you know, saying that he would basically continue in the Obama tradition and using that expression specifically with the drone assassination program. He said, I believe, I I think he said something like, oh, it seems to be working. Yeah. Keyword seems. Yeah. (laughs) You got to get beyond the New York Times headlines if you want to know what's really going on. Correct. That's actually very important because if, if he says that, and if something came out for let's say he becomes president and he would probably keep on the same oh, team of sure. administrators right for and sure. so that that would mean that the policies would be perpetuated through yet another administration it's all the we same need, that's why we need to have this debate now i mean mm-hmm. we need to before this comes into like 24 years it's already been going to be 16 years of these policies wow i mean it's just going to be permanent policy with well, no recognition of the reality of what we're doing. Well, you said something very important in your book. You said that these organizations that are, you know, responsible for all this um, operation is that these people that are, first of all, they come from the military, so they're trained to kill, mm-hmm. right? But also, it's the mentality. I forget the user. You used a big word. I had to look up that word when it comes to the lethal centrism, maybe. No, it was, it was one word. Focus it was like on lethality. It was some sort of a uh, lot of syllables, but the, <laughs> the meaning behind it is kind of like a group thing mentality where you have people in an organization that have the certain goal mm. and anyone, anyone that goes against that grind is either they leave or they get oh, kicked out. Institutional homogenization. Okay, that's what it was. There we go. Right. Yes, absolutely. So eventually they start moving up to the ranks and eventually this organism is filled with like-minded people that want to keep going with the same agenda. So and if you don't go along with the party line, you lose your job. You don't get promoted, certainly. No, you lose Maybe your job. Maybe you get sent down you know, to the basement to do some filing. Yeah. <laughs> so you either leave because you disagree, <laughs> right. right, or you, you, get, you, you lose your job. So but you, you ha- definitely don't get promoted. No. Right. I mean, John Brennan was the drone-killing czar 
right? Mm -hmm. He then was promoted by Obama to be the director of the CIA, which means, of course, that drone killing dominates the agency's efforts because that's who he is. That's what he does. And once these people have done these things, they want, for a variety of reasons, to continue doing them. Some that's of those cool. reasons are psychological, right? Some of those reasons, like once you've already been involved in this, you want to convince yourself that what you've done is right. I mean, there are questions um, that can be raised. I've tried to raise a lot of them in the book. Uh, it's a kind of frightening development in our history, I think. The idea that we, we set out to kill people. We hunt them down and kill them. And not give them a chance to explain they themselves. They can't surrender. Can't they surrender. can't defend themselves. We won't tell them if they're on the hit list. So if they're innocent, oh, well, too bad. You know, we'll just assume they're guilty until proven innocent. But you can't prove them innocent. Why? Because what they're guilty of is being potentially dangerous in the future. Maybe. Yeah, how <laughs> who's not potentially dangerous in the future? In the future. Um, in case the CIA is listening, I'm not potentially dangerous. <laughs> no, everyone is. <laughs> everyone is. Not me. <laughs> <laughs> Because that's what they—that's the thing—is they're thinking maybe this person one day will yeah. grow up to think that he might contemplate to attack the U.S. and possibly be able to hurt somebody. So therefore, he's on this hit list. He's an unlawful combatant, so he doesn't have. There's no rules to it. We're just going to kill him. We're not going to tell him that, but we're right. going to kill him. Right. I, it's crazy to me that we're able to continue like this. And then, so where do we go from there? You know, how do we get this book to be Kim Kardashian on TV? <laughs> I think people just have to start thinking about the issues and talking about them. I mean, I think it has to start small. There have been drone activists who have been opposed to this whole idea of targeted killing, which they've always identified as assassination from the very beginning. But unfortunately, those people are not, as far as I can tell, taken very seriously. They do their protests and they talk about, you know, they... They go stand in committee meetings and hold signs and things. But unfortunately, they're not taken seriously. I, so what I tried to do in this book is appeal to people who think they support drone killing and say, I want you to think through these arguments and think through these implications and these consequences and ask yourself whether you can, in fact, support what we're doing. I wish people would be as introspective, but I feel... I really have to. Like, I'm. I guess anyone that would that's like people that dis disagree with me will tell you I wear a tinfoil hat and I'm some sort of conspiracy theorist, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> As if conspiracies don't occur. You know, <laughs> when you look up things like Operation Northwoods and all the mm -hmm. other things that we've been involved with, there's a reason why there's people that are conspiracy theorists because it exists. Mm -hmm. There's. I don't want to get into it, but I would say. People are just, you know, there's a reason why the military is held in such a high moral standard as far as, like, who they are and what they do. Mm -hmm. And we, we, they're heroes. Mm -hmm. You know, we if we keep telling people that the military is untouchable, that you can't question it, and that what we're doing is keeping America safe and 9-11 and World War II and evil terrorists, and you keep repeating this mm -hmm. and you keep repeating it, mm -hmm. that's going to become the truth. And until the American people and we were able to really step back and understand what's going on mm -hmm. and, like you said, understand, like, human life. Like, it's hard to do that when you're part of a faction. And the faction here is the United States, mm -hmm. right? I'm American. Mm -hmm. I'm the U.S. Mm -hmm. I come first. Mm -hmm. I don't care about other people. Mm -hmm. I don't care. They're, 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 they're brown. They speak different languages. They wear these weird things. <laughs> you know, they have these costumes and they probably hate us. 
At least that's what our leaders are telling us. Right. You know, Hollywood is telling us this. The news is telling us. And unless you're able to step away from the mainstream, that's going to be your vision. Mm. Um, you know, but we're thankful we have people like you that are able to articulate and do research and, and come up with fantastic material. And, you know, social media helps. It's also a double-edged sword because both mm-hmm. sides are using it. Mm-hmm. The only shred for me, and I, I, I would like to get your response, for me, the only shred of hope that I have is that the truth always comes out. Mm-hmm. You know, And I'm hoping that one day mm-hmm. this will be part of that truth, that we understand it. You and know? we'll look back at it and say, wow, look what we were doing. You know, In the aftermath of 911, we went a little bit crazy, and mm-hmm. we just started seeing boogeymen everywhere we looked. And let's learn. Let's learn from but it. But we're not. You know why? Because we still have people that support the fir- the uh, Bush. I s- there, there's still friends <laughs> that think... <laughs> Jeb Bush is a candidate for president. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. And Hillary his, Clinton. His Hillary Clinton is like... the heck. Oh. <laughs> there's no hope. No, there is, there, <laughs> there is hope. I mean, as long as there are intelligent people mm-hmm. who care about the truth, there's always hope. There is hope. I mean... What would you say is the first step to, to moving forward? And, and you, can't, you can't allow yourself to be defeated by despair. You really can't. Look at all of the great changes in history. They've been affected by people who recognized there was something wrong. They stood up and they said, no, we can't do this. And it was hard and a lot of people died in each of the cases. But eventually we did progress. And I think we can move beyond this eventually. I think that when people be, become aware, for example, of the private military company aspect of the drone killing program, the fact that these companies are now helping to drop hit lists, they'll start to recognize that in fact people are, are being rewarded for producing lengthier and lengthier hit lists, which means that their criteria are becoming weaker and weaker. And which more broad. And right. more and more broad. So they find a so-called associate and they mine that person's um, cell phone stats and uh, contacts and then they add new names to the list i mean i think if people can imagine what it's like to be one of these people and i have actually a scenario where where i describe a person who finds himself in this situation where he realizes that he shook hands with one of these suspects and exchanged business cards at a party a neighborhood party the previous summer okay so now it looks like he's going to be an associate right because his contact is found among this the associate, sorry, the suspected jihadist context. So when people recognize how these hit lists are made um, through mining um, data and also just through modes of evidence which are not judicially admissible, hearsay mm-hmm. and circumstantial evidence do not hold up in, court, in courts mm-hmm. of law, and yet they're being used exhaustively in these cases to take away people's lives. I think when peop- if people can imagine themselves in that position, being in this Kafkaesque position of not being able to defend uh, oneself against the charge that one is an evil terrorist, maybe they will come around and they'll recognize that um, if, it's ro- it feel, if it would be wrong for someone to do that to me, then it's got to be wrong for me to do that or our government to do that to other people. I know you think that... No, 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 no. I'm too optimistic. No, no, I love it. We need that. We need some... Because people like me become cynical. I mean, I really think that all of the people you talk about who support the military, uh, without questioning, I think... I don't think they have bad intentions no, at all. No, no, no. That's right? something I've, I... They want to do mm-hmm, the right thing. Mm-hmm. I have, like, I have a lot of friends. They think that it's somehow... A lot of people, I think, uh, f- 
find it rude, for example, to cru to criticize the military. You can see this if you try to post something political oh, on exactly. Facebook or on in the I social media. People right. are like, no, we want cats and babies. <laughs> they don't. They're in denial. But here's the thing. The reality of it is, and this is what I've always said, is that just because you think that you're doing something good mm -hmm. and in your heart you believe you're doing something good and you believe you're fighting to keep America free, mm -hmm. it does not mean there's a difference between thinking you're fighting for our freedom and actually fighting for our or freedom. Or wanting to believe right. that what you're like doing. You, I would say you are, you're fighting for our freedom. You know, well, you're someone you. that's doing something that's really – I mean because if people read your book, even if it's one person – Right. Reads your book and says, "I'm against this. We got to do something." And there's a b enough people get together, and there's a change where we stop the drone program. Right. We're already safer because we're stopping from creating enemy and uh, enemies and terrorists that want to come and take revenge. Exactly. So in that sense, yeah, you're fighting to keep us safe and free. Right. You know, if you're part of someone that's saying, "I support the truce no matter what," let them go overseas, bomb the shit out of these people. You're not. You're doing the opposite. Right. You know, ironically, what you said earlier about, you know, guilt through association, the first person that would be on a hit list right now would be John McCain. Right. But he went over to Syria, shook mm -hmm. hands with people that are in ISIS. That does a photograph. Oh, that's, that's real. Right. So is John McCain on the hit list? He should be. <laughs> For associating? For associating through with but ISIS. For arming them. And, but and did they become ISIS? After he shook hands with them, well, or I mean, at that point he thought they were moderate. Yeah, wait, appropriately vetted moderate rebels. Hold on, though, Lori. <laughs> yes, he's on a list. Okay, we don't know who he is. Uh -huh. It's SIM card, business oh, card. Right, this right, person's exactly. in an active area. He's it, over sixty. Okay, you know what says him? He's over fifty-five. <laughs> We're not going to bomb him. Point We're well taken. Point well taken. So people think through how these lists are are produced, and they recognize that, in fact. I could be on a list because of my apparent association with appa other yeah. apparent terrorists. I mean, at some point, I think people have to get back to the question of what we're doing as a culture and as a society. I think those are, are issues that have not been touched on at all. People are just focused on, ooh, keep us safe, you know, take the battle to the enemy. They don't think about what it means to be a society which tries to eliminate and destroy talented young people in other societies because they have come to sympathize with groups whom we disapprove of. They don't understand what's going on here. And let me draw an example here. Consider Nel the case of Nelson Mandela. I spoke of him briefly in the book. Nelson Mandela was considered a terrorist by the South African government. He was thrown in prison when he was a young man, and he was locked up for 27 years. He emerged to be one of the greatest forces for peace in history. If drones had, a, had existed at that point in history, since he was designated as a terrorist in a, hostile, in a hostile territory, he would have been destroyed by a lethal drone. So what we're doing now, while we destroy and these people... And no one people, would know who he is. No one would know who he is. He mm -hmm. would never have um, affected a revolution. He would have never done anything because he would just be dead. And mm -hmm. that's what we're doing right now. We're killing young people who have the potential to be great because they say negative things about us. Um, and I just think this is really disastrous. Not just... Um, for America, because there will be blowback, but for humanity. I mean, I think that 
along with the quote unquote worst of the worst, we're destroying the best of the best. Because these are people, some of these people, as misguided as they may be, they're willing to fight and die for what they believe in. What we should be doing is tutoring these people. Um, but we have to stop killing them in order for them to listen to us. I mean, we can't, we can't keep doing the same thing over and over again and expect them not to react in the same way. I, I agree wholeheartedly. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think Americans mean well. I mean, look at how passionate people are here with regards to animal rights, mm-hmm. you know, with regards to charities, People, all these people things. People want to do people, the right thing. People do want to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of manipulation. You know, you take advantage of someone's emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, you take fear. Um, you know, you fuel ignorance with fear, and then you have hate, and you have. I don't even know. You know what I, mean? I, I think you ascribe more of a conscious intention to figures such as McCain and uh, Giuliani than I do. I think I'm more charitable toward these guys. I think some of them. How <laughs> dare you! No. <laughs> I, th- I think that some of them actually believe in the way that much of the populace believes. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't think that everyone is doing this kind of insidious. Um, you know, pull the wool over the eyes of the sh- of the flock. You don't think, for example, that I George, hope not, at least. George Bush, <laughs> Hillary Clinton. George Bush would be a good example. I think that um, you have to be. Well, he's kind of well, according to his speeches, is not that bright. But I, I think he actually is very intelligent. I don't think. He's, oh, you do. I think yeah, he ha- you can't be a president and not be intelligent. Well, I think he's just he not a good Dick public Ch- speaker. He had Dick Cheney. <laughs> so I, I mean, Dick Cheney really. Look, is Dick Cheney evil? At we least give me Dick Cheney. We probably shouldn't go there. <laughs> All I can say is every time I see him, I'm reminded of Dr. Strangelove. <laughs> that was a fantastic film. It was a fantastic film. That was a fantastic the film. The same sort of, like, it's like come on, intensity. Man. With Halle Burton and everything. I just, I... I, I but there are people some who people, still some are, people are willing th- to say, oh, yeah, so they made a little profit. But, in fact, they were trying to keep us safe. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they just they want to. Yeah, you know, you, they're gonna do it anyway. Let them, let them, let them make some money on the way. I just, I think that the money came first. The money came first, but yeah. you know, it's it's what it People is. People have a very forgiving attitude toward war profiteers in this country because of our positive attitude toward capitalism. People think, oh, it's good. Greed is good. You know. Well, it's, uh, war is good for the economy. Some people actually believe that that's that's justifiable. That's like right. Say. Um. That's one argument. But also people think that it's rational to attempt to profit in whatever way you can. And if you can profit from war while keeping us safe, they believe, right. then why not? Yeah, know? like why not? You know, it's uh, But the problem is that when you have uh, programs such as our drone killing initiative, you don't really know who's doing the analysis and who's drawing up the hit list and what they believe in. Are they are these people moral? Are they amoral? Are they sociopaths? We actually have no idea who these people are. All we know is that they, some of them work in private industry and so are mercenaries under some definition of that term. Um, and they may or may not care about the sanctity of human life. They may not care at all. They I, may would, th- I would go for the latter. Yeah. But that's just me. Yeah. <laughs> But um, in any case, uh, we're running short on time. Okay. Um, I definitely want to give the platform to promote your book, any website, or anything that you wish. Um, 
Okay, the book is already available on Amazon. It can also be purchased directly from the publisher, Zed, Zed Books in the UK. Z Z E D, right? Z E D mm -hmm. Books, published in the UK, London, and can also be purchased online at lots of other places. If people would like to follow some of the latest developments since the book went into production, I also have a blog, which is called thedroneage.wordpress.com. And so I'm posting commentary on the latest events, which don't seem to be stopping or slowing down. It seems as though drones are in the news every day now. So um, jo come join me on the blog. And... Read the book, please, and discuss it with your friends. And disagree with me if you like, but you got. I think people have to grapple with the issues rather than just accepting the headline version of what the drone program is because it, there's a lot more going on than just killing a few suspected militants. There's a lot more going on. 100%. Um, I absolutely enjoyed this book. It, it's, it's very telling. The, the, uh, the comparisons you make, the analogies are... It's very easy to understand and, and see and comprehend. So I can't wait to finish it and wrap it up. Um, everybody, you guys got to try it. You know, for sure read it. Amazon.com. When Noam Chomsky says it's chilling and comprehensive, you know it's really good. Um, I have to thank Dr. Robert Higgs for talking about and promoting the book, which is what led me to looking into it and finding out about you. So thank you, uh, Dr. Higgs. And thank you for coming on the show. I know you're very busy. You, you've been traveling quite a bit. Um, good luck with this. Thank you. And thank you for sure. having me on the show. And this is a really interesting conversation. I appreciate it. You're very welcome. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in to Network Radio. Go to onnit.com, O-N-N-I-T, get some alpha brain, and use our discount code, Network Radio, to get 10% off alpha brain or any other supplement. With that, um, have a fantastic and wonderful day. Prepare to die. Yeah. Come on! Come on!